Today on Blue 58, Aaron Rodgers is having a great year, a career year even, and I think it's possible he's in contention for his third NFL MVP, and a lot of people seem to agree. Where does the race stand right now, though? I think it's likely he's actually the front runner, no matter what the media might say. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. This episode's got everything. We got news about the Packers. We got rumors about the Packers. We got takes about the Packers. We got takes about other things. But first, three housekeeping sorts of things. And this is going to be of interest to you because there's something in it for you. Let's talk about our Christmas charity drive here, first and foremost. We've been polling people on that for almost a week now, exactly a week now. And uh, we've got a winner. It's going to be the Adrian Amos I'm Still Here Foundation. So we're going to be trying to raise money for them between now and the end of the year. Here's how this is going to work. If you want to participate in this drive, go to the charity site. The link is in your show notes. Otherwise, just Google Adrian Amos I'm Still Here. It's a real bare bones site. It's basically just there for collecting donations. Make your donation however much you want. Take a screenshot. The only thing that I ask of you is that it includes the amount you've donated and your name. When you do that, send me the screenshot, either at the Power Sweep on Twitter, via email at thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com, or whatever way you can get in touch with me. Send me proof that you have donated to this charity. And if we get to 250 total dollars in donations, I'm going to pick a name from a hat among the people who have donated, and I will buy you one Green Bay Packers jersey of your choice, up to $125. I was looking at the NFL Pro Shop or whatever they call it today. That should get you basically whatever you want from that site. If you want to, you can even buy a Jimmy Graham Packers jersey for $75. What a deal. So, to make it easier for us to get that $250 figure, we're going to start you off with 100 bucks. We are throwing 100 bucks in from the power sweep right now as part of that donation. So you only really have to get to 150. So, if you want to take part in this, go to Adrian Amos's charity site, make a donation, take a screenshot, send it to me. Get it in by December 31st and we'll take a drawing from among the people who have donated there. Clear enough? Good. Go and do it. Second thing, thank you all to you. Uh, thank you to all of you who listen via YouTube and subscribe there. We are now up to 500 subscribers on YouTube. That's a big accomplishment for that channel there. Thank you, everybody who chooses to listen that way. I appreciate it a whole lot. Third thing, if you are a Patreon supporter or would like to be, I would like you to watch out for a Patreon podcast episode dropping in the very near future. It should be out by the time that you receive this podcast. If you have not gotten it, let me know. We are trying something new with the way that we do those podcasts. I would like to hear from you. If you haven't gotten it, please let me know uh, because we're trying a new approach for delivering those podcasts to you. Good? Good. Let's talk Packers. First and foremost, actual free agent news from the Green Bay Packers. They've made a bevy of roster moves today. The first and foremost is welcoming Brian Price back to Green Bay. He was an undrafted free agent who spent parts of 2016 and 2017 with the Green Bay Packers. He ended up playing one snap or one game with the Packers in 2016, a 
34-27 win over the Detroit Lions. Played 10 snaps on defense for the Packers. Pretty decent record there. Packers are 1-0 with him on the 53-man roster. Since then, he's had quite a journey. He played with the Dallas Cowboys in 2017. The Raiders in 2018 and also the Browns that same season was on the Colts offseason roster in 2019 and spent parts of the 2019 and 2020 seasons with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Overall, just another depth signing on the defensive line. Six foot three, 322 pounds. Don't look for anything special here. Just uh, just another big plugger up front. Uh, but interesting in that uh, there is another guy with Packers connections back in Green Bay. Speaking of being back in Green Bay, it seems possible that Jamal Williams may be about ready to re-sign with the Green Bay Packers. As you know, the Packers have two free agent running backs, or will have two running backs who are about to be free agents, rather, after this season, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And we spent quite a bit of time talking about the various ramifications of signing those guys. Apparently, Jamal Williams' agent has been in Green Bay these last couple days. And there may be some connection there to Aaron Jones firing his agent. Thinking is that if Jones has fired his agent, he may be frustrated a little bit that things have progressed between Jamal Williams and the Packers. While not going along as quickly for Mr. Jones, so he has decided to move on to new representation, that agent being Drew Rosenhaus. But this story is about Jamal Williams. I honestly don't know how I feel about this. I lean towards feeling a little bit negative. I think Jamal Williams is a lot like Blake Martinez in that he doesn't necessarily bring a lot to the table, but he doesn't necessarily take a lot off either. been tracking, and we, we haven't released the, the full numbers on this because um, it's just kind of a for fun sort of tracking thing, but we've been looking at behind the scenes, uh, Jamal Williams and all of the Packers running backs, EPA data, basically how much value they are bringing to the Packers on a play-by-play basis. And so far this season, Jamal Williams is pretty close to true neutral as both a runner and a receiver. Doesn't add a lot of value either way um, as a runner or a receiver, but also doesn't necessarily hurt the team. And that is a noteworthy distinction from actually most of the rest of the running backs on the roster. Even Aaron Jones was in negative EPA territory until last week, until his big game um, down the stretch there, and that big run that he had, 77-yarder, scoring the touchdown late to put that game away. He was in negative territory on an EPA basis. As a runner, as a receiver, is a little bit better. Williams is close to neutral in both. I guess I see the the reasoning there about trying to bring Williams back in that he's going to be probably a little bit cheaper than Jones, probably consider uh, considerably cheaper than Jones. Uh, he's good in pass protection, and he's probably a good bridge player between a running back that is led by Aaron Jones and a running back group that eventually is led by A.J. Dillon because that is pretty obviously the plan in Green Bay. They would like A.J. Dillon to be the guy in the future. You don't spend a second-round pick on a running back that you want to be a complimentary player. That would be kind of insane. He, They want him to be the lead back at some point. But maybe they're thinking that to get them there, they've got to bring back a guy like Jamal Williams just so they have one known commodity in the backfield. I also wonder, and I don't really have any evidence for this, but I just wonder how much no, how much more the Packers and the rest of the front offices around the NFL know about the cap situation next spring than we do. 
the story in, in the media right now, as we understand it, all the information that we have right now puts the cap at $175 million next spring. But as I understand that, that's the worst case scenario. They're just saying it's not going to go lower than $175 million. It could be higher than that. So maybe the Packers are planning it on it being more like $190 million, just to throw a number out there. And they're thinking that they can sneak somebody like Jamal Williams back onto the roster a lot easier than Jones. I don't know how much merit there is to that, but I think it is a possibility. And if I'm betting on who knows more about the realities of the cap situation, the Packers or us right now, I'm going to bet on the Packers just because, well, I think for obvious reasons. So all of that, I think, is kind of playing together right now. Purely from a player standpoint, I would be pretty comfortable with moving on from Jamal Williams. But maybe in those tactical senses, and maybe in just having one more known commodity on the roster at running back than essentially zero heading into next year, given where A.J. Dillon's rookie season is headed, maybe it does make sense a little bit in that respect. Just some thoughts. We've got an interesting matchup this weekend in the form of Carolina Panthers head coach, Matt Rule, Rule, the first-year head coach of the Panthers, comes to the NFL after spending quite a bit of time as a head coach at the college level, first at Temple, then at Baylor. And I think this is going to be an increasingly rare thing, and I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about this. This is not like hard and fast data stuff. This is just stuff that I think we should think about, because every time there's a coaching opening in the NFL, people really like to connect the big-time college names there. And I just don't think that's as big of a thing as it was in the even relatively recent past. A recent example of this, I guess technically two, two recent examples, are the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers. Looking back at some of the stuff that we did about the Packers coaching search in 2018. There was a lot of stuff about college coaches in there. Lincoln Riley, Pat Fitzgerald, a bunch of other college names. And I get it. Lincoln Riley is a trendy college name. He's probably the best thing going in the Big 12 right now. But why would he ever want to leave Oklahoma? Same goes for guys like David Shaw at Stanford. And it just goes higher up the list, the the more accomplished your, your college coach is. Nick Saban has no reason to ever leave Alabama. Unless you make him like commissioner of the NFL, in addition to being the head coach of whatever team you want, he's just not going to leave. The other example I have is the Chicago Bears, they are supposedly interested in Pat Fitzgerald. And I especially want to talk about him, or at least bring up his name, because the Packers were theoretically interested there too. He had a conversation with the Packers. The connection there makes sense, given Mark Murphy. Uh, the Bears' connection there makes sense too, because he's from right outside Chicago, or lives right outside Chicago right now, coaching at Northwestern. But I think this is a tougher sell for college coaches than it used to be, for a few reasons. Let's talk about them. First, you can make an awful lot of money as a college head coach. We're talking like CEO money, not like, I don't know, vested veteran money 
in the NFL. Most NFL coaches are pretty poorly paid compared to their players. But you can make real life-changing money as a college head coach. There's also the added perks. Being that you are a college employee, you can get a lot of perks that go along with working at a college. For instance, this is not college football, uh, but when I lived in Bloomington and worked at Indiana University, um, Tom Crean was the head basketball coach there for some of the time we were there. I actually got a look at his contract. It was going around because the Hoosiers won. I, I don't know if they won the regular season Big Ten championship one year. They they hit some sort of milestone and it triggered an escalator in his contract that he got an extra like $160,000. That he got an extra like forty grand on top of that for every uh, playoff game they won or game they won in the Big Ten tournament. And then more money on top of that for anything they did in the, in the NCAA tournament. He got a house. He got cars. Got all kinds of added perks just for being like a state employee. And that's a really, really nice thing to have. There's a lot of stability that comes with working at a university. And that's the second big thing about being a college coach. If you get to a certain level at a certain job, you really have a job for life. And depending what your personal goals are, the pool of job for life type jobs really expands pretty quickly. Say you're somebody like Paul Christ at Wisconsin. You like being in Wisconsin. You've coached there a long time, both as an assistant and as a head coach. It's not one of the headline jobs in college football, but you're making pretty good money. You're in a place where you want to be. And as long as you keep stacking, you know, eight to 11 win seasons, you're probably going to be safe pretty much as long as you want to be there. And then if you ever just get sick of being a college coach, you just say, hey, what can you do for me in like the athletic department? Depending on what level of involvement you want to have, you can go the Barry Alvarez route and become an athletic director. Or you can just flex your muscles a little bit like, say, Urban Meyer at Ohio State and say, you know, I really just want a job in the athletic department. We don't have to get super specific about what that job is. I would basically just like to continue to get paychecks and I will show up at events every now and then. And if you're successful enough, there's a pretty good chance your university is going to say, okay, yeah, we can make that work. And thirdly, I think the NFL isn't necessarily a promotion for a lot of these people. Think of the power that a good college coach has. Say you get to that kind of God-tier status, like Nick Saban at Alabama. Is he the most powerful person in that entire state? Pretty darn close, isn't it? Is he the most powerful person at his university? Probably. Probably pretty close. And again, depending on your personal level of ambition, the pool of jobs where you can have that kind of power and those kind of perks gets pretty big. If you don't want to be at one of the headline jobs, but you just want to be a program builder at like a mid-tier Big Ten school or a mid-tier like Sunbelt Conference school, say, you can have a job for a long, long, long time. What is the NFL offering? 
Say you've had a long run at a place like Baylor. Say you've helped resurrect their, their program. Sure, there's some added baggage there, given the reason the Baylor job was open in the first place. But think of the stability there. Is a guy like Matt Rule ever going to have that same kind of stability in the NFL? Think about a guy like Mike McCarthy. How much longer would he have lasted putting together the same kind of seasons in some college job as he did in Green Bay? Got pretty ugly there at the end for an NFL team. But if you're less than a decade removed from a national title in a college program and you're still putting up playoff caliber seasons, you can probably parlay that into a job as long as you want to. So that's why I think you're not seeing this kind of stuff as often as you used to. It used to be like a foregone conclusion that you would climb the ranks in college and eventually want to make the jump to the NFL. I don't think that's true anymore. Something I do believe is true is that Aaron Rodgers is a very good shot of the MVP at winning the MVP. A better shot than I think he's even been giving, given credit for. Aaron Rodgers is playing really, really well this year. I don't have to run down the stat for you. But you know he's having a really, really good season. And that alone puts him in contention to win an NFL MVP. But there's more to it than that. The MVP award in the NFL is flawed. Most MVP awards are. But I think the NFL one is especially flawed. But when you look at how it comes together, I think the most important thing is the story. It's not who's having a great statistical season, even though the way the NFL MVP award typically works is the best quarterback on one of the best teams. It's the storyline. Aaron Rodgers has a great story, and think, I think that is why he wins. First, let's look at the last couple MVPs. Lamar Jackson had a great story. A college Heisman winner. Proving the doubters wrong in the NFL. Including some, like two, if you honestly really actually look at it, it was like two people, who thought maybe he should change positions in the NFL. Proving that he can win in a different way than most NFL quarterbacks do. While also proving that he can play like most other NFL quarterbacks do and even do it better. Putting up big numbers on a good team. That's a good story. And it won him an MVP. Look at Patrick Mahomes. The young prodigy. The guy who sat for a year and had to learn to pay his dues. The guy who had questions, a few of them, coming out of college. Was he a product of the system? Did he have the body to play in the NFL? And after putting together a great, great season, statistically, voters look at that story and say, yes, he is the MVP. So that brings us to Aaron Rodgers. What is the story Aaron Rodgers has going on here? I think it's a strong one. First, he's got the story going of a great, a great player, a former great maybe, regaining his form, 
Yeah, he had a couple rough years there. He was hurt in 17, had a rough year in 18, got a new coach in 19. But now he's putting together one of the great statistical seasons of his long and storied career with a new coach. He's returning to form. Maybe he's the MVP. Secondly, Aaron Rodgers is overcoming his own front office. This is not something I personally believe, but it's the sort of thing that gets trotted out there now and then. His front office did not put the weapons around him that he wanted. In fact, this spring, they drafted a quarterback, the guy they think can replace him. Now, is it spite? Is it just him playing better? He's putting together one of his great seasons. That sounds like an MVP to me. Finally, you've got an aging great making what could be his last shot at a Super Bowl. He's putting it together. He's showing what he can still do. At age 37, he's proving he is still one of the best players in the league. This might be his last best shot at a Super Bowl. Yes, it's true. His stats are really, really good. But I think you have to look beyond that and look at the stories. And that is why Aaron Rodgers is going to be a contender for MVP this year. What do you think? Who is your MVP frontrunner? Let me know. I would love to hear your thoughts uh, wherever you happen to come across the show, whether it's on YouTube, uh, in a podcast app of your choice, or just browsing along on your desktop, computer, laptop, whatever. Let me know. As always, if you got anything out of the show, if you think it was enjoyable, if you think it was an interesting listen, pass it along that you th- to someone you think would benefit from hearing it as well, because that's going to help us continue to grow this conversation around the Packers and ultimately help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.